0: Well, it is Easter Monday here on the Gold Coast of Australia, and I hope everyone's had a good Easter. This is a, a public holiday here in Australia. I'm pretty wiped out after the weekend, um, but still wanted to get this podcast done for the day so I don't you know break the rhythm of that. But we are finishing up our series on definitions today. Period Easter was a good time to wrap that up. And I'm just continuing on with kind of the same thought from yesterday into Monday, but I, just a little more personal, I suppose, uh, in the podcast. And sometimes I'll say things in the podcast that I wouldn't necessarily say. Um, you know, I'm just speaking to a big group of people, just a different format. But, um, yeah, finishing up our series on definitions. And today we are defining the resurrection. And I'm doing it from home today. I borrowed a microphone from my son-in-law, Dylan. Uh, Hopefully get the the, uh, technical side of that worked out all right. But anyway, we'll go ahead and dig into this. Um, The word resurrection means raising from the dead. But this is the only word we've talked about that has included a definite article, uh, the resurrection, specifically because we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus. And that's what we celebrate at Easter. And Easter is the oldest and most important Christian holiday. Um, The first recorded observance of Easter that I could find to read about was in the 2nd century. And so it's been gone a long time, and it's very likely that Christians were commemorating the resurrection of Jesus before that, obviously. Um I mean, they were carrying on with communion, um the Lord's Supper. Um so yeah, we've been doing it a long time, many, many, many centuries. But why is celebrating, um, commemorating, remembering the resurrection of Jesus so important? It's a big deal. Um, you know, when there's all kinds of things that come along with it, Holy Week, Easter Friday, Easter Sunday um, Easter Saturday Holy Saturday I think they call it and some different stripes of Christianity and everything that comes along with it but the reason the resurrection is so important is because it's the central cardinal doctrine of Christian belief and it's more than just a doctrine too, it's, it's an event and it's an event and a belief at the same time that um christian belief is built on and the resurrection of jesus is the event that really validates everything else and carried those early followers of jesus beyond easter and we're going to read from the passage of scripture today in luke chapter 24 and i'm going to read verses 13 through 35 and this is an interaction Uh, Jesus had with a couple of men as he was walking along the road and this happened on uh, the same day of the resurrection when the women went early that morning and found the tomb, but we'll dig into it. Luke chapter 24 verses 13 through 35 and this is what they say. It says, Now that same day two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were walking and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they communed and reasoned together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. He said to them, what kind of communication are you sharing with one another while you are walking and are sad? One of them said, or one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only foreigner in Jerusalem who does not know what has happened there in these days? I think it's kind of funny that he calls him a, foreigner in Jerusalem Uh, verse 19 goes on to say he said to them what things and they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth who was a prophet powerful in deed and word before God and all the people and how our chief priests and rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and crucified him but we were hoping that it was he who was to redeem Israel moreover today is the third day since these things happened Even some women from among us, who arrived early at the tomb, surprised us. When they did not find his body, they returned, saying that they had even seen a vision of angels, who said that he was alive. Then some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. He said to them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe what the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. They drew into the village where they were traveling, and he seemed to be going further. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening, and the day is far spent. So he went in to stay with them. As he sat at supper with them, he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished out of their sight. They said to each other, Do not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the way and while he opened the scriptures to us? They rose up and returned to Jerusalem at once, and they found the eleven and those who were with them assembled together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. When they reported what had happened on the way, and now he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. So this passage. Um, that we just read is unique to the Gospel of Luke. Um, When you take the first four books of the New Testament, the Gospels, they share a lot of similarities. They're basically the same story, but just from different points of view. And some of them um, include um, events that the others don't. A lot of the content is similar, but occasionally you come across something like this that is unique to the specific Gospel. And this interaction is unique to the book of Luke. And it's the first of three different appearances of Jesus after his resurrection that we read about in the book of Luke. And this happens to be the same day that the women who had gone to the tomb had found it empty. And when the women had gone to the tomb and found it empty, they went back and told the disciples of what, about what they had found. And you can see the reaction um, to that news in uh, Luke chapter 24:11, when the women come back and say, hey, the tomb is empty, Jesus isn't there. Um, in Luke 24:11 it says, but their words seemed like fables to them and they did not believe him. So the disciples thought that what they said was basically nonsense. And Peter, he went to investigate the tomb for himself and found burial clothes, but no body. And the Bible says he walked away wondering what had happened. So he was a bit confused himself and I think it's important to make note that in the different accounts of people hearing about the resurrection of Jesus and the empty tomb, that for the most part, even the closest followers of Jesus didn't understand or even believe the resurrection of Jesus had happened. And it's difficult for people to get around that and it's difficult for people to move beyond that. And in the Bible passage we just read, the men walking with Jesus, they didn't even recognize him after his resurrection. And there are other cases of the same thing happening. And that seems a little strange, but nonetheless, the resurrection of Jesus is not something that is easily comprehended or explained, at least not in the usual way that we comprehend and explain things. Jesus had been talking about what was going to happen and everything that was going on these things for a few years before this. And yet when the time comes, the disciples of Jesus believed or uh, understood what had happened, at least not initially. You know, they didn't they just didn't get it. They didn't believe it at first. And when Jesus is walking with these men in the passage we read, he explains to them how Old Testament prophets had prophesied about him and, you know, what had been going on for centuries and explained that he was the fulfillment of all that. And it's the same thing that he'd been talking about all along throughout his mystery, uh, ministry. But even with that, it wasn't until later that they recognized who they were actually talking to And you know, maybe there's a lesson in that. Sometimes the things we think we know tend to get in the way of what is true even when what is true is right in front of us and it's difficult for us to move beyond what we think we already know if the truth happens to be different to that and at the time this was happening um all of this well you know the the new testament for that matter um, the nation of israel was subject to roman rule and if jesus hadn't been you know born in the nation of israel and his ministry had not happened there we'd probably hear very little about them but the fact is is that he did so you know we learn a lot about the nation of israel through the bible but the people who followed jesus saw him as the one who was going to be their king Um, they saw him as a revolutionary political leader who would rescue them from the tyranny of rome and the disciples didn't see themselves as followers of jesus in the same way that we might define it today they saw themselves as revolutionaries who were going to help jesus usher in and rule his new kingdom Um, even when jesus was born people misunderstood his purpose Uh, king herod heard that a new king had been born and he felt threatened by that but jesus you know he never had any aspirations for earthly throne. His plans were a lot bigger than that. He said himself, my kingdom is not of this world. And the Jewish people believed that God was going to send a savior that was going to rescue them from foreign oppression. And what they thought they knew kept them from seeing the truth of who Jesus was that was right in front of them. And it's difficult for them to move beyond that. And when Jesus performed miracles and fed people in supernatural ways, you know, people followed him because because of those things and, but once they learned that those physical and material things weren't going to be the regular things then they left jesus and went back to other things to their regular lives because they couldn't move beyond that and religious leaders of the day thought that uh when the savior came they would gain power and statue statue but uh Jesus was preaching things like the meek would inherit the earth, and He even went so far as to call them hypocrites and tell them they were like a grave with a nice clean headstone with dead bones inside. And Jesus challenged what everyone thought they knew. And the religious leaders obviously didn't like that, and they conspired against Him, and they ultimately had Him arrested and put on trial and executed and not just executed, but beaten and crucified by the Romans and you know, put to death in, in a horrible, horrible way. And when that happened, in that moment when Jesus is on the cross, everything seems as though it had fallen apart and the hopes of a revolutionary king had been crushed. And obviously Jesus couldn't lead Israel against the Roman Empire if he was dead. And when Jesus was crucified, it seemed like in utter defeat and complete failure to those who followed him the disciples were afraid and they were scattered and after his death he was taken down from the cross and placed in a tomb and then three days later early in the morning some women visit the tomb and find that it is empty and even the disciples were shocked and confused by the empty tomb even jesus's most close followers and after the resurrection even when people saw him They didn't recognize him. And there are several other instances you read about in the Gospels um, that are very similar to this that happened after his resurrection. But the resurrection itself was a catalyst that caused everyone to move beyond what they thought they knew. And we can have truth right in front of us and not believe it because of what we think we know. And like the men Jesus is walking with, they thought Jesus was dead. That's what they thought they knew. They thought they knew who he was. They even described to Jesus who they thought he was. They said he's a powerful prophet who they had been hoping would redeem Israel. But he was sentenced to death and crucified. And he's walking right there with him. And it's difficult to move beyond what you think you already know. And Jesus could be near people. People can think they know who he is and hear about him and still not know the truth about who Jesus is. And, and that's nothing new. That's been going on since the time Jesus was born. And to understand who he is, we have to look to the resurrection. And then we have to be able to move beyond that, not leave it behind, not at all, but move beyond that to, to understand it, to believe it, and then go forward from that point. Because the resurrection really is the starting point for um, what Christians believe in coming to know Jesus. God's power has been revealed in the resurrection of Jesus. And what seems to be an utter defeat has become the greatest victory in the history of humankind. But the resurrection is where a lot of people get hung up. It's not normal. It's not what we're used to. Um, We've never seen anything else like that happen, and it's difficult to get beyond that. And it requires a step of trusting God and there's a degree of uncertainty God expects us, expects us to trust him with. That's just reality. And the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And when I came to faith in Jesus and, you know, believe that he died for my sin and he was resurrected three days later, I didn't come to that belief through historical proofs or evidence. And neither does anybody else for that matter. Um, that's not to say that they don't play a part or they didn't play a part for me. They certainly exist and they certainly can, you know, Uh, Play a part, but I came to a saving faith through hearing the gospel as does everyone else You know if you don't hear the gospel um, Or Understand it you don't have a saving faith in Jesus that Christ died for my sin and was resurrected three days later and not just hearing it but Reasoning it out how it relates to me personally and what it means for me and for me personally that didn't happen overnight my wife shared Um, the gospel with me about the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus for 10 years before I came to a place where I understood it in my own context and as I thought about it I came to a place where I realized that there was really no other reasonable possibility and I was a bit agnostic and rationalist for a while I believe being a good person would make things right for a while but eventually I saw that it really doesn't matter what you believe there's a point where no matter what you your belief system is a lot of what we think we know we take on faith and in part of this you know I'm just sharing my thoughts and my own experience and no doubt there are plenty of people who could push back against some of the things I say in very reasonable ways but you can do that with any belief system. And there's always some truth we miss because what we think we know gets in the way of it. And like I say, this is what I think, but atheism, I you know, I was claimed to be an atheist for a little while. I don't know that I really was, but in atheism for instance, it seems to require that everything be substantiated by empirical evidence before an atheist can believe it, like scientifically proven. And that in and of itself requires its own kind of faith. But I was having a conversation with someone once and they asked, what do you do? And I told them, I was a pastor. And it's funny when I tell someone that the first thing they usually do is say, well, you don't look like a pastor. And I kind of wonder, well, what's a pastor supposed to look like? And then um, if they have any kind of sense of you know religion or maybe they've, they've had some church experience in the past or something like that, often what they'll do is they tell me, either the good thing they just did or the bad thing someone else just did, which is kind of funny when you think about it. But anyway, I was conversing with this person and they said to me, I had some religious people in my family, but I went the science route. And I thought, well, that's kind of a strange way to think, really. It seems like culture has taken the view, at least to a degree, that when it comes to science and religion, that you pick one or the other that science and religion are somehow opposed to each other. And that's something people think that gets in the way of what's true. And it's often, (coughs) excuse me, difficult for people to move beyond that. And science and religion are not opposed to each other, not at all. They're both necessary and good. And in fact, if science and religion are both genuinely seeking truth, and if they're honest, they're eventually kind of come to the same conclusions. And they're both necessary and both have wrong beliefs and both have wrong practice in their history. Um, <coughs> but the reality is, is that science deals in finding facts and presenting facts. Whereas religion deals in wisdom and how we rightly apply those facts. That's what wisdom is, is the right application of knowledge. And here's an example of what I mean. We have an amazing healthcare system here in Australia. Not only is it amazing, but it's it's readily available to everyone. And nothing's perfect, we know that, but it's really good. And my wife was diagnosed with cancer last year on the fifteenth of June. And I remember the day well because she was diagnosed on her twenty eighth wedding anniversary. And this past week she came home from the gym and she was telling me how she felt like she was able to put in full effort in her cycling class. And she was really happy about that. And in the 10 months between then and now when she was diagnosed until up to this point, she went from being diagnosed with cancer to having surgery to going through recovery to being cancer free and then being able to put in full effort at the gym in a period of 12 months or 10 months, sorry. And that's that's amazing when you think about it. We've been so blessed by God through the science of medicine. And the science of medicine finds the facts and procedures that have led to my wife being cancer free. And not only cancer free, but if you didn't know what she had been through, you would never know that she'd been through it because she looks great, she's doing great. So the science of medicine has been very good to us, historically it is Christianity that has cared enough about people to be concerned with their health to build the schools to build the hospitals where medicine can flourish and wisdom can be applied to those facts and our culture today has seemed to recently begun to forget that but to deny the value of the science, or the Christianity that has helped it flourish is is short-sighted and ignorant. And the guy writing the book um, that we're reading from, Luke, is a doctor. And he has a scientific mind. I have no doubt that um, he would have struggled with the resurrection because it was different than everything that he knew previously. And at some point, everyone either decides we believe the resurrection and then we move beyond that, or we don't. And those are the really only real options when it comes to that. And sometimes I wonder if maybe atheism and agnosticism and rationalism and just plain apathy really are ways of avoiding confronting who we really are and what God has to say about that. And we're not just talking about a belief in a higher power. When I talk about belief, it's more than that. We're talking about a belief that Jesus resurrected from the grave. And I personally don't think most people have a problem believing that an all-powerful creator exists. In, in some form, fashion, most people believe in some kind of higher power, whatever they call it. Some people call it the universe, whatever they think it might be. And if you aren't at least open to the idea, you probably wouldn't be listening to this. And all cultures have always believed in some form of deity since the beginning of time. Um, There may be some somewhere that didn't, but none that I know of. And I think that's because we have a religious instinct that we've been created with, that God has put in us. But sometimes what we think we know gets in the way of what's true. And it's hard for us to move beyond that. Um, Sometimes I think as human beings, we think we're a lot smarter than we really are. But most religions, belief systems say that, to be successful, to obtain the object of that system, whatever it is, whether it's heaven or enlightenment or the next step or whatever it might be, you have to try hard enough and you have to be good enough to gain whatever that is. You have to be a good person to achieve what's next or what's best, however you look at it. But really, what does good enough even mean? If you try to define what is good enough, for most people, what good enough means is being better than someone I see as being worse than me. You know, I compare myself to someone else and, then I, you know, I think, well, at least I'm better than that person, or at least I've never murdered anybody or whatever. But in my reading and learning and conversations, it's pretty much impossible to consistently define what good enough means outside of perfection. But we all know no one's perfect. And the Bible's been telling us that for thousands of years. All people are sinful and sin separates us from God. But Jesus paid the price for our sin on the cross and demonstrated his power over death in his resurrection. And we place our trust in him to be rescued from the penalty of sin. And we just can't do that on our own. And that's what I eventually reasoned out for myself is that you know it doesn't matter what I do, I'm never gonna be good enough to live up to God's standard. And if Jesus is our Savior, you know, not a materialistic earthly Savior or revolutionary Savior, um, which sometimes I think Christians still, even today, you know, just like the disciples at the time of Jesus, they still see Jesus as some kind of political figure or someone who's going to, you know, rescue us from the tyranny of government or whatever, which is silly. Jesus is a resurrected Savior. We experience his grace for eternity, relieving us from the empty, vain attempt to be good enough. We still strive to do what's right, but that's not what makes us right. And if we don't know Jesus as our savior, we'll know God as our judge, and we will experience his wrath eternally. And the reality is, it's one or the other. Either experience the grace of God through Jesus, or you experience his wrath eternally. It's one or the other. <coughs> and that's something that's always right in front of us, but we don't give it much thought. We're too busy with other things. What we think we know gets in the way and it's difficult for us to move past that. The tyranny of the urgent, you know, and worry over what's material and temporal binds us, blinds us to what's spiritual and eternal. And that's it. That's kind of understandable because everyone's very busy. We're all concerned about bills and taking care of our family. You know, it's, it's, it's life is full of busy things and things to do and things we need to do. We're bombarded with more information than anyone has ever been in history. And because of all that, many people don't even think about spiritual things. And many of us neglect the spiritual part of who we are. And then we kind of try to cope with that and try to compensate for that in different ways. Some try to ignore it or deny it, pretend it doesn't exist. Some are apathetic about it, or things you know, we're just not certain about. And, and it gets in the way of what what's actually true. And a spiritual experience with God does away with what you think is certain. And there are many things that will never be certain. And that's not always a bad thing. We don't have to be certain about everything. Matter of fact, sometimes it's good to not be certain. You know, when you think about hopelessness or anxiety or depression, I think a lot of that comes from being certain that things will never get better. And God says, you don't know that. You can't know that. Only I can know that. God says, you don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. And that doesn't mean we're, you know, never nervous or afraid but it means we trust god more than what we fear and then paul writes in first corinthians chapter 15 and he shares the gospel with us here explains what it is he defines it for us and chapter 15 verses 3 through 8 i'll go ahead and read those he says for i delivered to you first all of that which i also received how christ died for our sins according to the scriptures was buried, rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and was seen by Cephas, and then by the 12. Then he was seen by over 500 brothers at once, of whom the greater part remained at this present time. Though some have passed away, then he was seen by James, and then by all the apostles. Last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born at the wrong time. That's the message of Christianity. That's the message of the gospel, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture. He was buried and rose again the third day, according to the scripture. And Paul goes on to talk about the many people who saw Jesus after the resurrection. And the resurrection is defined as Jesus rising again the third day. And a lot of people followed Jesus off and on. A lot of people thought they knew who he was. A lot of people were around him and listened to things he taught and benefited from that. And they thought they understood who he was. But no one really got a hold of who Jesus really is until after the resurrection, the risen son of God, Savior of the world. And the same thing still true. A lot of people follow Jesus off and on. A lot of people think he teaches good things. A lot of people have benefited from the things Jesus taught. And they think they understand who he is. But unless you know and believe the resurrected Jesus and can move beyond that, not leave it behind, but move on to the next step of faith, you don't know him at all. And to generally understand who Jesus is, you have to look to the resurrection, because the resurrection changes everything. Once the disciples came to know and understand the resurrection of Jesus, everything changed. He was no longer there to save them from the woes of current society and culture, but to save the world from sin. And once they got a hold of that, and once they understood who Jesus really is, they moved beyond that. Their lives changed. You know, Luke went on to write the book of Acts and the resurrection of Jesus caused a giant shift in the mindset, and the mission of his followers. Jesus said, you will be witnesses for me and specifically witnesses of the resurrected Savior to the world. And with all that said, I guess the, the question to ask is, do you know Jesus as resurrected savior there are a lot of different ways of looking at the world a lot of things we think we know but you either believe jesus was resurrected or you don't do you believe jesus died for you do you believe he died for your sin do you believe he was resurrected again and in his resurrection he proved his power over death hell in the grave and ever since that time God has been offering his grace he's been offering forgiveness through the sacrifice of Jesus and he offers that as a free gift and he extends that to everyone and now it's up to you to make the decision whether or not You'll accept that. And that's all I've got for you today. But I hope in some way someone finds that helpful. And I hope you'll spend some time thinking on that. And I look forward to catching up with you again next week. And we'll see you then.